unnecessary intro song to totally waste your time. All right. So I'm getting extreme here. I, I maybe it's just because I'm growing old. I don't know. But the more I confront photography and selfies, the more I just keep, the more I think about it, the more I analyze it, and maybe I'm doing too much of it, but the more I just think it's really bad. I mean, I've kind of known that photography was bad ever since I was a kid, you know. I was obsessed with photography magazines most of the time because I just wanted to see a naked body. I could go into the bookstore and see naked people without having to look through a Playboy. <laughs> For some reason in the art magazines, there was a naked person in there. But let's just think about this for just a second. Think of how long human beings have been on the planet, you know, evolving, figuring out their place in nature, you know. Um, how, how did people see um, themselves? Well, they didn't. Hardly ever. For thousands and thousands of years, people never really saw themselves unless they were looking down on their reflection in a pool of water or something like that. Because how many reflective, shiny surfaces are there in the world? Not many. There isn't glass out in nature, you know. You had to look down into a reflecting pool, you know. It's how the fable of Narcissus was born, right? Gazing upon his own reflection. But it's not a really flattering angle, you know, honestly looking down at yourself. For many, many, most of the time humans been on the planet... There was no way for somebody to inspect themselves for very long until somebody invented the mirror. And if I was a good podcast, I would right now provide you with the information about when it was invented. But I don't care. At some point, some clever fucker invented the mirror. First, it was just a piece of glass, you know. Or a shiny piece of gold. Probably gold. A flat piece of gold. Maybe that was the first. I don't know. piece of silver. Glass came along later maybe. You know. Something shiny. Where they could go look. This is really flat and really shiny. And I can actually see myself. And then it got improved. And then you got the modern day basic the mirror. The mirror where you can actually look at yourself. You know, and you could sit there if you wanted to. You could sit there for hours and contemplate who you are. I don't. I don't know if it was. I don't know if that that sort of contemplation even existed before the mirror. Not not at the depth that the mirror brought. Somebody needs to write about how the mirror changed philosophy forever change the notion of self like how do you think about yourself 
in the same way before you have even seen what you look like standing up in a mirror or from different angles. How do you even contemplate that, right? Maybe a a talented artist. When did photorealism come about? Pre or post mirror? Was there ever a... I'm giving you homework assignments. I should do this homework for you and provide a service for you instead of just thinking out loud. But um, just think along with me and you can do the research yourself. Maybe I will later. But um, did photorealistic painting even exist before a mirror? Was there a drive to create a photorealistic painting before that self-reflection in the mirror? You know? But what a difference that is, right? To look at somebody else and do a photorealistic painting, a still life or a a painting of a, a friend or a loved one or somebody who's paid you to paint them, you know? And you're making a photorealistic or a painting. I mean, at first, you know, primitive paintings were just line drawings. So how do you... <laughs> you know, if somebody makes a drawing of you, if old um, uh, Jeremy, the the caveman, makes a line drawing of you, and he goes, "This is you," <laughs> and you just go, "Okay, how is that me exactly?" See, this is your hair, unga bunga, and you have to go, "Oh, that's me, huh?" Huh? Doesn't really look what it looks like when I'm looking in the river, but okay. It's a representation of me. Then you gradually, you advance to paintings. And you'd have to pay somebody. Or you'd have to have a really talented friend to make a photorealistic oil painting of yourself. And then you could put that on your wall. And you could gaze upon your own image. You know, you could just sit there and go, Ooh, what is that expression? And of course the artist probably wanted to paint you in a expressionless way. Most of the paintings back then were just like they don't weren't people weren't smiling or screaming or grimacing or doing rabbit ears, you know. They weren't clowning around in oil paintings. So all this time goes by and this is the way we're evolving with basically no no real immediate way to gaze upon ourselves. And then along comes photography. Boy, does that change things because in the mirror, you're moving around. You can see your breath. You can see yourself breathing. You blink, you move. Um, A photograph is really crazy. It's strange because it freezes that fraction of a moment. You know, whatever that is, it's frozen. And when, before that time, before the photograph, when was anybody ever able to examine a moment? For a long time. Well, or a person. You know? You could do that. You could examine a sleeping person. Or a dead person, you know, that's existential. You could look at a dead person or a sleeping person, but then you got to be quiet and it's weird. And if you don't know them, you have to be pretty intimate with them. You have to be either intimate or a creep to be examining 
a sleeping person. You know, to sit there and just pour over with your eyes over all the details of their body and their face, you know. But even then, they're breathing. They're showing signs of life. You're, you're reacting with their body in the room. You've got to be quiet. They're going to move. You know that you can't wake them up, you know. And if they're dead, you're dealing with a dead person. But with a photograph, that death, what a strange thing is that you can examine somebody, and a nude person even. And if they're looking at you in the eyes, you can hold a gaze with that image. And because our brains didn't evolve and weren't expecting the photography to come about, it's mesmerizing. More than we think, more than we know, the magic of photography is mesmerizing. And I don't think we understand just how much it taps into evolution that was in, never really intended to be focused on a photograph. Do you understand what I'm saying here? I hope I'm not being confusing. But if you, if you lock eyes with a person in real life and you're just both standing still and you're not saying a word, I, 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 try this. Just try this with somebody. Just say, hey, let's have a staring contest. You can't have a staring contest with somebody and not have intimate thoughts. And I'm not talking about sexual thoughts. I'm just talking about, you know, it's a very, it's almost magic. It's, it's disconcerting. It's, it's, it's um, either love or hate. How, with whom do you ever lock eyes for a long period of time? And what is that experience like? It doesn't happen. It certainly didn't happen much before the mirror, but now it, it kind of, there's a facsimile of it happening with a photograph. And I seized upon this in my photography when I was, my little stint as a photographer, you know? I always made sure my subjects were looking straight into the camera because I didn't want... Um, the nudity to be seen as voyeuristic. You know, I wanted the eyeballs to confront the person looking. I wanted that discomfort or it's like, is it a discomfort or is it a comfort? You know, the person's, you, you have to acknowledge the human being there if there's eye contact. For some reason, if they're looking away, then there's this voyeuristic aspect. I did I wasn't interested in that because I was never interested in erotica the way it's mostly presented. Most erotica is presented as voyeurism, you know. Of course there's porn, it's POV, that's eye contact, you know what I mean? But anyway, I I wanted to avoid my the whole point of me doing nudes was not 
to do erotic art ever. I never wanted to do erotic art. I used basically nude figures as competition with other ideas. I thought, well, it's hard to compete with a nude body because we're human beings and we're programmed to respond to nude bodies. So I looked at it as really a challenge. A lot of it was a challenge to see if I could get other, convey other ideas with the competition of a nude body. I'm kind of digressing here a little bit. But um, my point was is that I, I never believed, I, nev- I always rejected the idea that photographs ever represented truth. They don't. They represent death. It's a dead moment. It's mostly, it's easier to compare a photograph with death than anything else. The fact that a smiling dead person could be there would still gleam the gleam of water and wetness in their eyes, you know, that's still, but they're still frozen. They're still dead. So I always thought in my photoshopping was, and my storytelling was a way to inject humanity back into the photograph you know by having to like for example there's a two things that i was doing was uh smoothing over the bodies you know the pores and overly photoshopping i was it's twofold i was mocking the fashion industry and showing how easy it is to present x y or z person as being air quotes beautiful to societal standards or to fashion standards or publishing standards or whatever you want, you know. So I was poking them in the eye a little bit. But the other thing was the other side of it that was also realistic was that I was very aware that if you're nude in a photograph, you know, it's just highly unlikely ever in your life somebody could pour over every inch of your body without you feeling self-conscious or whatever, where they see your zits and your blemishes and everything else. So my thinking was that I would take away those things that people drunken in love would never see anyway. When you're drunk and you're in love, boy, you're looking at somebody's face and you're seeing all their best attributes. You don't have time to focus on the pimple or the little ripple of cellulite or what have you, you know, the blemish. And I'm not, I'm not proud of removing the blemishes, but my thinking was that, well, if you're drunken in love, you don't see that stuff anyway. You know, you got your rose-colored beer goggles on. <laughs> and I was presenting that people that way. The idea of bringing, you have to bring the humanity back. Because the froze, the, the flash bulb, the five billion watts of flash and the frozen freezing of your zit and the freezing of your cellulite, it's not real anyway. And anybody that says that that's representing reality is simply not thinking of reality the way I think of reality because there's nothing realistic about it. It's absolutely absurd. It's surreal. A frozen moment, especially nude like that, is absolutely not real. You know, Playboy, not real. Even if you don't Photoshop, even if you don't airbrush, it's still not real. There's nothing about it that's real. The idea that somebody would be frozen there, just allowing you to inspect them. It doesn't happen. It's not, it's not realistic. You don't get those opportunities unless you're a murderer who rapes people and kills them and takes off their clothes and then they lie there lifeless, you know? 
that's what photography is. That's what these photographs are. And I'm going somewhere with this, but um, I quit photography when Instagram came around. And I kind of beat everybody to the punch with the Instagram stuff. And honestly, I've had insiders at Instagram early in the early days and at Photoshop tell me that they created filters to kind of mimic what I was doing with my photographs. I was adding gold and I was at making giving everything a golden glow. And I was basically kind of kind of mic, uh, mimicking cross processing, which is a um a technique people used where you would develop normal film with slide film processing and it give it little little bit extra greens and turquoises and stuff but i was going i had my own little recipe but i had insiders that told me that instagram and photoshop or uh adobe that they created filters based on what i was doing because i got pretty popular back in those days there's you know tens of millions of views on my Flickr site it got really it blew up pretty big so i had a little brief moment of influence in this and a lot of it was also my angles and the selfies I was not doing selfies but what I was doing is portraits of other people and I, and this would have happened with or without me so I'm not trying to take credit for it but um uh these certain my this the myspace angles and these the way people are holding their things up you know I was kind of an early version of that and then uh people started doing that a lot and over and over again and it stopped being me taking their picture and everybody was taking their own selfies and then suddenly they had their own filters and this whole new era of vanity came in to play. This whole new era of very quick, easily accessible narcissism frozen moments, the ability to take still, dead, lifeless pictures of yourself, manipulate them just so, and present an image that you can examine yourself and that you can share with the world. You know, and that led to the Kardashians. It changed the world. The world, the world pre and post Instagram are different places and I think the way people behave and are using that I don't think we even yet quite understand the depth of what those frozen moments are that ability to examine manipulate and present ourselves in such a non-human way, in such a technically robotic, surreal way that triggers emotions that are connected to real events. Are you following me here? A smile, a real smile a real genuine smile comes about you know ever every so often and it really affects us when you have a genuinely happy moment with the person 
it affects your emotions. Or when you have an actually genuine sexy moment with a person, it affects you. But what I'm trying to say is these frozen moments are also triggering those. But in a longer, more artificial way. And since those are being selected, those moments, those sexy moments and those happy moments are being selected and edited from all the rest of them out of context, that permanence of them, that I don't think people understand the psychological effects of that. I think you can feel it. I think you can feel it. I, I, don't, I don't know if you know you can feel it, but... Just get on Instagram, you know? And it depends on who you follow, I guess, too. And I, 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 unfortunately, the people that I follow are people who followed me. And the reason why they followed me was because of that kind of art that I was making. So I've got a lot of really vain people um, in my feed. And I don't use Instagram at all. And I know I already made an Instagram podcast, but I'm sorry, this deserves more attention. But when I get on there... The superficiality of that editing process to pick the best moments, to pick these frozen, unnatural moments where, ooh, I like my smile right there. Ooh, I'm sexy right there. Those moments are edited and picked because they have power. And of course, those power, power used in the right way is wonderful, like a genuinely happy moment between two people you might remember for the rest of your life. Remember that time you told that joke at the beach? Ha, ha, ha. It's in your memory. Yes, I remember it. And then it evolves over time. But when you freeze that moment artificially and you isolate it from the whole day where you had to get up and maybe you had an argument on the way to the beach and Maybe you were feeling really down before you took that picture. Maybe the beach wasn't even that great. Maybe, maybe the beach was cold. Maybe there was people annoying you on the other side. But for that moment, you, you made a little quick smile and you took a picture and suddenly it makes it look like you had this wonderful day at the beach. And you're projecting that to other people and they're receiving that as a moment, as a real moment. But it wasn't. It's a deception. And it lasts. Not like it would last on an oil painting or a stick figure drawing. You know? Because it so closely represents reality, photorealism, I think it really fucks with the evolution. And I don't think it's good. And I can't imagine it's good at all for young people. Oh, God. I'm so glad I'm not a young person right now. I can't even imagine... It's like high school times a billion, you know? High school was terrible enough. Can you imagine high school with Instagram? Ugh. Just the pain. You know, the different tribes and the way people market themselves and their selfies and their... Ugh. Anyway... I know I'm sounding like a grumpy old man, but I, and that's not that's not my intent. I mean, my intent here is to go. God, what what can we? 
how is it inevitable it's just going to keep going that way i kind of feel like young people are getting away from it and they're feeling it because i feel that emptiness i i made a post yesterday on facebook that there's nothing that ruins my day quite like 20 minutes on twitter and instagram and it's really true i wasn't being flip you know i i can get on instagram or twitter for 20 minutes and it will ruin my day and i'm just trying to get to the bottom of it And with Instagram, I really feel like it's because my own personal biology, my evolution has yet to be caught up. And I can intellectually understand that these people are editing, but it doesn't matter because our intellect and our emotions aren't completely connected. You can't just turn off your emotions with your intellect. You might want to think you can, but you I don't think we can. You can go, oh, I'm not going to feel that way. Well, I can just turn off that emotion. Uh, can you? No, I don't think you can. Biology hasn't, um, evolution hasn't caught up. So we're still affected by the emotional. Maybe it's just me. I, I mean, I'll admit that I'm an overly sensitive person. I, don't, I, I won't say I'm overly sensitive. I'm a sensitive person. I, I genuinely look at the world and I think people are more alike than they are different. So I, part of empathy is just saying, is accepting that others are probably a lot like you. It's being able to spot yourself in others, I think, is what empathy is really about. And I just kind of go with that thing, that if I'm feeling things... Other people must be feeling them too. I I can't be the only one feeling a certain way. Anyway. um, What can we do? How do do we wean ourselves off of this shit? I don't know. Um, I don't know. I really don't know. Because it's, it's become so addictive. And it's become such a surrogate for actual interaction with real people you know if instagram and facebook didn't exist if i couldn't get on them i would probably seek out more real world interaction with people but i think the i think social media and instagram and these things they they act as a surrogate they they give us just enough that we don't feel like we have to go out and find real face-to-face stuff. And even if you know it, even if you know that's true, well, I'm speaking, I'm, I'm telling you here that it's working on me and I can see if it's working on me and I consider myself to be a pretty strong person with very few addictions and vices, what's it doing to everybody else? Anyway, I don't know what to do about it. Um, something needs to be done about it. Art needs to be created. We got a we got a job to do. Is what I'm saying. You and me, we have work to be. We have work to do. We don't need to worry about it. But this is, a, I think, this is something to be that deserves our concern. What do you think? Anyway, let me see if I can wrap this up with something positive. You know. I don't want to leave this as just some negative. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do this instead of ever getting on Instagram 
or posting false things. I don't do that really anymore anyway. Um, but let me ask you guys, if you're ever compelled to do that, maybe seek out a real human interaction instead. Maybe go make something real with substance that doesn't market some unrealistic version of yourself. I guess that's really what I want. That's really what I want from the world. I want people to be more authentic. And I know that that's a lot to ask. I just want people to be more authentic and more complete with how they represent themselves. And I think if everybody did that, we'd all feel the giant relief. You know, if we just... If we just we get out of this competition to represent ourselves as these perfect functional human beings, you know, these just putting our own best features forward, if we just all go, no, 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 I'm a complete human. I have good features and I have bad features. This is what sucks about being me. This is what's good about being me. This and, and everything in between, a more complete picture. 360 live video is what I'm asking for. <laughs> I'm asking for less photography. I'm asking for le fewer text messages. I'm asking for more phone calls. I'm asking for more dinner invitations. You know, give more dinner invitations. Meet more with people face to face. Get off social media. And I'm talking to myself if I had a mirror right here, believe me, I am preaching to myself right now. So don't think I'm preaching to you like somebody who's figured it out. Because I haven't figured it out. I need this shit more than anybody. I need to hear these words more than anybody. I need somebody to fucking come and confiscate my fucking goddamn phone. Do you know what I mean? I need to be kicked off of all social media. Entirely. Maybe that's what I need to do, is just double down with the shit that they hate so they kick me off. Lord knows I'm not just going to quit it on my own. <laughs> I've tried, and I'll be back on in a few days after that. Anyway, so yeah, don't really come confiscate my shit, but I'm telling you, something's got to happen. Thanks for listening.